Well, hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. I, of course, am Mr. Warren Hayes, and today is Thursday. It is October 22nd, and we, right here, right now, are going to be talking about professional wrestling. Professional wrestling! That's what we talk about here on the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. And I'm excited to talk about it. I'm excited to get in depth on some stuff. As it was a good week for wrestling, uh, wrestling news, wrestling events, wrestling things. We got some good stuff going. And I hope you guys have some good stuff going too. As you join me live here on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. Because yes, the Mr. Warren Hayes show is indeed recorded every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern over on the good YouTube environment. And, and w w since we're doing this live, that means that we do have people joining us here live as well uh, in, in the chat room. We have Tim Trevor, who's here. Good to see you, Tim. Kelly Tonjes is here. Good to see you as well. Kelly Robert Larry, how are you doing? We've got Thomas Gorys here as well. Good to see our, our pal uh, Thomas here. Benoit has joined the chat as well. Good to see you as well, Benoit. We've got DGM. Oh gosh, who is here too? We've got Anakin JMT. Nick Wolf is in the house. Oh my goodness, JPQ Big Puzz on a pup is in the house as well. Good to see everyone here tonight. Carlos here as, as well, and, uh, reminding me that the NFL is still counter programming the Mr. Warren Hayes show on Thursday nights. Those slime balls. They know they can't deal with my competition, despite the fact that I never talk about football. They just know that they can't deal with it, but hey, you know, that's that's what we're that's what we're here for. But I want to thank everyone for joining live. If you are joining live right now, hey, you know what? Do consider giving the video a thumbs up. That kind of stuff always helps. It really, really does. And even if you're watching later on, that also helps as well. Thank you if you're listening to this uh to this on your favorite podcast oh, application yeah. in the audio format. Uh I can't that I appreciate it tons. Like I said, you know, the the audio ship. It's not viewership. The uh, hearing ship. I know that's not a word. Uh, it is growing constantly there as well. And I really, really appreciate it. So if you can show some love there as well, that's fantastic. It it will it will warm the cockles of my heart, as my grandparents used to tell me. Not still still not quite sure what a cockle is. Used to think it had it was something you'd find in the ocean, like a shellfish. Or like a clam, something to that effect. But uh, no, I'm still not quite sure. Um, so there we go. And so, 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 th so, thank you if you want to give out a, uh, some, some, some help there. That's really, really appreciated. Got some stuff coming up for y'all over on belltobells.com. That's b e w l t o b e w l e s. I am still conducting interviews uh, with uh, women who ranked on the PWI women's 100 this year i we already released a bunch of them uh, priscilla kelly uh shaza mckenzie uh who else have we got uh shaza mckenzie uh, uh, uh i can't remember who we released already there's been so many that's the thing is that there's been so many wrestlers that that, that we've been talking to a session moth martina of course laney luck uh, I, an interview Ooh, as well, Priscilla yeah. Kelly mentioned, um, and uh, and there's also other interviews that not necessarily that I've conducted, but are still there as well. Uh, Jamie Hader is one of them. Faye Jackson, Killer Kelly, 
was released today. Kristen has a written, uh, written up an interview that she had with Killer Kelly. All fantastic stuff. And we've got more on the way. We've got more wrestlers coming on the way. Solo Darling. Lufisto. Uh, we've got so many. So go check. Keep an eye on that. The Bell to Bells Patreon. Uh, not Patreon. The <laughs> Bell to Bells Twitter. Belltobells.com. Keep an eye out on that. Keep an eye out on the Mr. Warren Hayes Show YouTube channel as well this Saturday morning because it's a pay-per-view weekend. That means I'm going to be doing a prediction show for WWE Hell in a Cell. My God. And uh, and I am going to be joined once again, a returning guest, uh, my good my good pal, Tony, from the Get to Tables podcast, uh, who's going to be joining me again. Um, uh, he's been on the show before. Going to be doing the predictions with me on Saturday. I'm looking forward to talking with him. Um, I love, I, uh, Tony's a great guy. He's really a great guy. Uh, does some great work with the get the tables podcast. They do, uh, Tuesday nights, they do impact watch alongs over on Twitch. They have uh, their own podcast on their own podcast on Saturday nights. And he'll be joining me on Saturday morning to talk about Hell in a Cell. Get all that ready. Get all revved up for the big, big show this weekend. I am stoked for that. So uh, so be sure to be there as well. Be sure to be stoked with me on Saturday morning. Uh, remember, at the same time, there's a Discord for the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. You should join. You should really join. I don't know why. what's keeping you from joining. The fact that Discord feels huge and intimidating and there's just a bunch of nerds who hang out there. Well, you have complete and total proof right here as I'm speaking that it is not that intimidating and that there's not only nerds that hang out. Discord, there's me. <laughs> that come on over to the Discord. It's a cool place. Come and join us. Uh, constant, frequent discussion, live watching with uh, with the members of the uh, uh, of the Discord. Check it out. It's a good time. It's fun. Uh, don't forget also to come to the post stream after I'm done here over on Patreon.com/slash Mr. Warren Hayes. We're gonna be having a discussion. A discussion uh, called uh, "Who is the best heel in the business right now?" Ooh, I've uh, I, I'll be I will be talking with uh, members of the Patreon because we do live calls as well as talk in with the with the chat as well. If you don't want to call in, you can join us in the chat as well and bring us your opinion. Who do you think is the best heel in the business and why? And we're gonna talk about that tonight on the Patreon. Right after the show, patreon.com slash Mr. Warren. Hey, show some support, become a PowerPal member, and you can join us there as well. Uh, you can also show some, 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 you can also show some support by joining the Mr. Warren Hayes channel as a member. Uh, when you do, it's particularly useful if you like to come to the live shows, come to the live shows. Uh, uh, become a member and you get a ton of extra emojis that you can use specific emojis just for people who come to like come to the live shows and enjoy the live shows that's what that's what they're there for and of course of course you can always drop a super chat and i will read your question and or comment and or moon on the air such as this super chat that was left to us by anakin jmt thank you very much anakin for the super chat Starts off by saying, uh, we could uh, we could talk about how PS5 and Xbox Series X is almost here instead. Just saying, nah. <laughs> we could. We could. I, I feel like at some point I should do like, uh, like a special 
I don't know, something video game related, but I don't know what. I've tried I've tried streaming um video games once some time ago playing Fire Pro Wrestling. I don't know, maybe I should get get into that again. Keep with the wrestling theme, but there's no way I'm playing 2K20. I think I have was it 2K19 that I had or was it 2K18? I think it was 2K no, I think it was 2K18, the one with Seth Rollins on it. Tim Traver, that was the last 2K uh, WWE 2K game I bought. Tim Traver left us a super chat as well. Thank you very much, Tim. He said, I did a food and wrestling podcast yesterday. Yeah, our boy Tim here was on Throwbacks uh, podcast, which you should check out. Go subscribe today. And uh, yeah, there was a round table of people talking wrestling, talking food. I talked a bit of food last night on the Wednesday Night Wars podcast as, uh, at the same time. So yeah, I get it. I get the, 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 the connection between uh, wrestling and food. It's very important. All right, let's start. Let's start talking about stuff. Let's start talking about the G1 because it's done. Should I play? Because it's not. Uh, you know what? For old time's sake, just because the 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 G1, uh, just because the G1 is over, and I was in a groove, you know, talking about the G1 every week, doing a weekly recap. Let's play the jingle one more time. Yes, the G1 Climax 30 concluded this past week, ladies and gentlemen. Kode Ibushi is your G1 Climax winner this year. Back-to-back winner. He is one of three wrestlers in the history of the New J- of uh, New Japan since uh, the G1 has been called the G1 because it, it, the, the tournament in and about itself exists since the 70s. Uh, under different names, but since it was uh, it, it 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 was it was uh, branded the G1's climax. Since that time, only two other wrestlers have won back-to-back G1s. Uh, we're talking about Masahiro Chono and Hiroyoshi Tenzan. Nice company to have there. And Ibushi is the first wrestler to uh, to uh, reach the finals for three consecutive. G1s. That's uh, that's a good accomplishment for our golden boy here. Um honestly, here's what you here's what you you get this is what you say. Hey, Aaron Entertainment and Robert Sterling, good to see you guys. Welcome to the chat. This is I don't think there really was any other pick for uh, Wrestle Kingdom against Tetsuya Naito than Kota Ibushi. I really think he's the money guy. I, I as much as you know, people made cases for Sonata. People made cases for Jay White and Okada. I don't think, I don't think there was any more interesting match to get at Wrestle Kingdom this year than Naito versus Ibushi. And Ibushi is such in top shape. Tetsuya Naito is motivated. He had a spectacularly good G1. He has accumulated, and I forgot to pull out the stat, it just popped into my head right now, but Tetsuya Naito has accumulated, is currently the the wrestler who has accrued the mo- the the um, total amount of match time throughout an, uh, one G1. 
that's crazy. Like he has hours uh, of uh, of wrestling time racked up and, and, and his matches were all fantastic. It was a really good G1 for him. But um, but frankly, there was there really was no other major star power, something so compelling as Ibushi versus Naito. I don't think I don't think anyone would have really got excited with Tanahashi. Okada, maybe. Okada maybe, but it also felt a little too soon to sort of come full circle um, with uh, with Tanahashi, uh, not a Tanahashi, excuse me, Okada coming back for the belts. I don't know. And it definitely isn't Naito evil that's Ooh, getting yeah. everyone excited either. So uh, that's for sure. So, uh, so I'm excited. I'm excited for it. Anakin JMT left us a super chat again. Thank you very much, Anakin. And he says, is this the year Ibushi finally wins the title? Ugh. You know, it's been... Give me a couple of weeks still. Let's see how this buildup goes. Let's see what happens at Power Struggle. But I got to tell you, you know, Naito... There's a thing here. Naito needs a proper run with the titles, right? Because he won he won the titles at Wrestle Kingdom last year. Then COVID. Then he drops the titles to Evil for like a week or a month. 90 days. And, and then he gets it back. Like Naito needs a proper run. He's, he's the most, one of the most popular, if not the most popular guy in New Japan. He's, re, he's super over with the Japanese audience. So I don't know. It's a tough one. It's a tough call. I'm not sticking my hand in there, but my God, it would also make a lot of sense. Ibushi kept telling, you know, ever since he started his tag team with, um, with uh, Tanahashi and Tanahashi has been egging him on saying, you know, you gotta, you gotta become a, a God, you know, Ooh, he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm becoming a God. There wouldn't be that'd be a consecration of him becoming a god, winning the straps at uh, at Wrestle Kingdom. But I feel so bad for Naito at the same time. Oh my God, Nick Wolf in the chat says it left a super chat. Thank you very much, Nick. He says Jay White is taking that briefcase, son. I mean, has anyone dropped the briefcase since it's become defendable? I don't. I don't think so. That'd suck. But be, because at Power Struggle, which is the next upcoming card, uh, Jay White is uh, fighting against Kota Ibushi uh, for the uh, for the uh, the Wrestle Kingdom shot, basically the brief, which is in a briefcase, which is what we're. And um, I I, I kind of think not. My prediction is that. Bullet Club is going to screw it up for Jay. I think uh, there's going to be people in Bullet Club that are going to fuck things up for Jay at Power Struggle. And no, I don't think Jay White is turning uh, turning babyface like a lot of people are thinking. You can't turn Jay White babyface. And it's not just because I think he's, <clears throat> spoiler alert, the greatest heel in professional wrestling today, but you don't have top heels in new japan your top guys are are all baby faces okada tanahashi ibushi naito they're all they're all baby faces and the only top guy who is a heel a proper heel is uh, is white 
yeah so no i don't think i don't think there's i don't think that's gonna happen anyway uh, run down the cards the last two nights that we had uh for the g1 on night 17 which was the final night of block a by god we had yujiro tanaha excuse me <clears throat> we had yujiro takahashi the tokyo beam finally scoring a win against jeff cobb Ooh, yeah. all right okie doke <laughs> i mean if that's if that's what it uh, okay but yujiro gets two points doesn't end the series with zero on the board. Good for good for the Tokyo Beam. Good for him. Uh, Shingo Shingo Takaki and and Minoru Suzuki ruled again. I mean that's just the way that nature works. Will Osprey defeated Kazuchika Okada, Naki Okada out of the tournament, and we'll talk about the post match in a little bit. There's there's there are developments. Um, <laughs> Kota Ibushi defeated Taichi. This was really, really good. Uh, Taichi, man, motivated the whole way through. Kicks everywhere. I like this match a lot. Um, and, uh, Tomohiro Ishii defeated Jay White. And it was a beautiful match. This is one of these matches where I say, folks, get out of, go out of your way to, to, to watch it. Uh, it, it was absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Ishii got the win so that Kota Ibushi could move forward uh, in the tournament. Just go watch it. And in fact, you know what? Watch the final night of Block A. It's as close to a perfect wrestling card as you could get. It, it's so... It's been such a, such a breeze to watch. The whole G1 this year, but... This was so, so good and representative of the extreme level of talent that they had in Block A this year. Block B, the last night, it wasn't so great. Yoshi, Yoshi, Yoshihashi defeated Toru Yano, the king of pro wrestling, which is the topsy-turvy land. But again, Yoshihashi scores a couple of points good for him. Juice Robinson defeated Hiroki Goto. Tanahashi de defeated Zack Sabre Jr. That was okay. They've had, the both of them have had better matches against each other. Kenta defeated Naito, and which was a bit of a surprise, but that's good. I like it. That means Kenta technically has uh, has a world title shot in his uh, in his pocket. Sonata oh, defeated yeah. Evil in the main event, and it was. And I, I thought it was dull. I thought it was really really dull. But uh, so we got this. I mean, this this evening wasn't even remotely as close, as entertaining as night A was. And the finals were Sonata and Kota Ibushi. Uh, I find the match to be very, very divisive between um, New Japan uh, follow uh, followers, fans, faithful, well wishers, uh, 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 companions. Uh, <laughs> but I th I thought this was I thought it was okay. I, I, it wasn't a spectacular win, but it was a good. It was a good match. I liked it. Uh, I, th I thought it was okay. A couple of super chats here. Nick Wolf left us a super chat. <laughs> Thank you again, Nick. He says Bullet Club double briefcase, Kenta and Jay White. Yeah, I mean, it'd be a, it. It would be a sight because Kenta does have the briefcase to challenge the IWGP. You have a United States heavyweight champion, which is currently held by one Jonathan Moxelworth. 
and um, I mean, sure, you have both cases in Bullet Club. Call them, call them brief briefcase club at this point. That's very interesting. Anakin JMT left us a super chat as well. Thank you very much. He says we're we're talking heels on the post show, but I just realized Warren is a true face for counter programming the debates. Whoop whoop. You don't have to listen to old men debate. You just have to listen to an old guy talk wrestling. That's all you have to do. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so this is so the G1 in general. OK, the G1 uh, overall to me. If, if I take a step back and I think about what happened in the Climax 30 this year to me, it wasn't about the matches this year. There's there's years for the G1, 2018 particularly, where you have spectacular match on top of spectacular match. Just amazing stuff. Night after night after night, you get four-star, five-star, scale-breaking matches. Um, night after night. But we didn't get this this year. We got, we had some really solid matches. We had a couple of, uh, we had like Ishii and Jay White, which is a standout match, which is one of those where we are going to look back upon in reverence in a few years. But um, it wasn't, it wasn't about the big star matches. The G1 this year was about, was about the, uh, was about the, 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 uh, the stories. It was about, the stories that the match is told, the alignments of the uh, of the wrestlers, the fulfilling of uh, of what New Japan has been trying to do, struggling out of COVID into empty arenas and then back to a crowd into something that resembles a little more normalcy. It feels like we're this is like we're fulfilling all of this path. We're at the end of the path here, and we got a lot of stories. It was all about. It really was about the stories. What stories did we get? Well, listen, we got the stories of we we have we have the story of um, of New Japan making believers out of wrestlers who we typically disregard or poo poo away. They, who got their time in the sun this year? I thought Juice Robinson had an extremely solid new uh, G one. Not that he doesn't usually have it, but his performances were were up. He really did have some really, really solid matches. Yoshihashi, I think, is one of the big talking points of the G1. No one ever expects anything out of Yoshihashi. I'm guilty of that. But even though his record doesn't show it, he finishes with four points. He's at the... He, he's at the bottom of A block. Don't let it fool you. Our boy, Y hyphen H, had a succession of really, really good matches from, from the minute that he started right to the very end. And he surprised a lot of people, my, myself, sitting back and watching, watching a, a Yoshihashi match. And I'm like, God damn, I'm enjoying this. And sure, there's problems. There's it's they're not perfect. There's still problems, i.e., the butterfly lock. But those are things that can be course corrected. But he had a really good G1. 
uh, Tai Chi had a really good G1 as well. And here's a guy who, in my mind, I was like, why are they trying to push this guy? He He's never motivated. He half-asses everything un unless, he's, unless he feels like not half-assing it. And he's a perennial mid-carder. Why do I even care about him? Look at what, at the great work that he's been doing. Not just since COVID, since the start of the year, since going for the tag titles with Zack Sabre Jr., I've never enjoyed Tai Chi as much as I've enjoyed him in 2019, and it's all to his credit. Uh, he's been he's been great. He's really, really been great. So that's another fantastic. Uh, oh yeah, that's another fantastic one right there. Um, uh, Tomohiro Ishii once again is the MVP of the G1. The man is a tournament wrestler, but never wins. He's the bridesmaid, but never the bride. But goddamn. He's he's such a beautiful bridesmaid. He bridesmaid. He's the hottest one of the bunch. He's the bridesmaid that looks the makes the bride look uh look like a queen. He's so good. Systematic, systematic, excellent matches all the time, regardless of who you put him in there with. Ishii's the man. He really, really is the man. Uh, the story we had the story of Kazuchika Okada throughout the G one as well, where people. People were you. I talked about this a couple of times. People were waffling between, uh, oh, they're telling the story that he doesn't have it anymore, and oh my God, Kazuchika Okada is starting to suck. He never sucked. He, the 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 G one turned out to be uh, an event where he was challenging himself. He was switching things up, trying to win matches in ways that we weren't expecting. So his adaptation. I mean, it's wild when you think that. New Japan would book one of their top stars, a guy who is not only critically loved, but loved by the fans. Uh, and and they, they put him in a situation, in a, in, in a, in a tournament where he is pers purposefully going to lose and lose in unspectacular fashion. That takes balls to do, to take, until we, we, we start getting towards the end of the tournament where there he starts turning it up we start seeing signs of that rainmaker uh brilliance that we all love and then he starts he and then we're like he never lost it he was just trying stuff out it's okada is okada he's still there and he's still great sure i'm excited to see him pull off another fantastic 10 star performance and i think he still got it in him but you got to appreciate the effort that was put in to the story and to telling the story here. Will Ospreay turned heel. And not only did he turn heel, but he has himself a little stable now, a little group, a little faction, a little... Calling themselves... Well, hang on, before we get to the name. The stable is... His girlfriend, B. Priestley, a, a professional wrestler in her own right, wrestles for stardom and, uh, and for a time AEW, and she... She uh she accompanied him to the ring. Turns out that she she helped she interfered so that Osprey could defeat Kazuchika Okada. And Okada then turned on him. And he even introduced another member of his uh of this stable in the great Okan, who is a former young lion, of course, but he who debuted as the great Okan in 2018. He beat the shit out of Shota Umino. Um, back then, 
Uh, he went into excursion into the UK in Rev Pro, which is probably where he he met Osprey. Uh, I hate the name. Um, uh, sorry, not the sorry, not the Great Ocon. That that doesn't bother me. So they form a stable, and the name that I hate is the name of the Empire. The name of the stable, Jesus, what's wrong with me? The name of the faction is called the Empire, and I think it stinks. I don't think it. I don't think it's fun. I think it's boring. I, it, it's it's indie show level. It's it's indie show stable name. You know, like uh, uh, the the revolution, or you know the uh, um, the 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 mean men. Actually, the mean men would have been a lot funnier, especially when you consider B Priestley being in there. But look, I think the heel turn for Osprey is a good idea. I think him breaking away from chaos is a good idea. Um, if they want to, if they want to position him as a top tier guy, which is clearly what they did because he had a good tournament. He is, I think he clearly established himself as a, as a, as a heavyweight. Well, it makes sense to break him apart, get him away from Okada shadow. They're probably going to feud into wrestle kingdom. And I'm okay with that. That should deliver a great match. Uh, when January rolls, rolls along. But, um, I, like, I don't see much of a problem with it. And it makes you wonder, what kind of environment, what kind of environment is Okada fostering in chaos, right? Because, you know, uh, um, Yujiro Takahashi, the Tokyo Pimp, was a member of chaos, and he backstabbed Okada. Of course, Jay White, right, did that as well. And and now and, and now uh, uh, Osprey, like what what kind of what kind of leadership is this guy showing? It, it, it what is he doing? You know, in all the years that Lij has been there, only one guy turned was evil. Who's ever turned on Suzuki Gun? I I think no one would turn on Suzuki Gun because they're terrified that Minoru is going to come after them. Um, Hiroshi Tanahashi was another, is another story actually that comes out of this. Um, he finished the G1 with, uh, eight points, single digits for the ace of new Japan. That's remarkable. That's, that's really, really remarkable. Uh, so what's, uh, so the question here, the story that's lingering out of here is, is Hiroshi Tanahashi going to move into New Japan dad environment? Like, is his time as a top guy done? And is he not, should he not be relegated to another role with the uh, Makabe's and the, uh, of the, uh, the, and the, uh, uh, the Nagatas of the company? Is that where he's, is that where he's at right now? And that's an interest. I'm not saying he is not saying he isn't, I think it's an interesting story that they still have to tell here. Are we seeing the decline of the ace? Is someone going to, is he going to pass on the mantle to someone else? What's going on? But of course, big story. Jay White. Well, I mean, it's a big story for me. You guys know how I feel about Jay White. But in all, and in, in quite frankly, and it, very, very objectively, I don't think Jay White has ever been as good as he's been in this tournament this year. He's never been more athletic. I don't think he's ever been more comfortable in what he's doing. He, his character work has been pristine throughout the entire, entire show. He is a master of in-ring psychology. He really, really is. You get the, you get the feel for the Jay White character. They even toned down 
the Gato shenanigans. They're still there, but they've toned them down quite a bit. And I thought he had an extraordinary G1, um, motivated. He was happy to be there. He was really happy to be wrestling in front of crowds again. Now, the thing here is what, what we're wondering is what's going to happen next. Is I don't know how long Jay White has to... I don't know how long Jay White's lifespan in New, in uh, Bullet Club is because I really think, and you saw at the end of uh, Jay White's match against uh, Ishii, Gato was sort of standing over him and said, like, well, what the hell happened? And then he was like, no, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Snake Gato is back. And I, Jay White's no idiot. He worked with Snake Gato. I think he's worried. Everyone's, everyone in Bullet Club is watching their back right now. So that's some... Jay White's position in Bullet Club is very, very interesting here moving on. I'm excited to see what they're going to do with it. Uh, a couple of super chats here. J.K. Schwal left us a couple. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much, J.K. Schwal. There's one maybe we'll read in a little while, but I'll get, we'll do this one right here. He says, uh, Dull could describe all evil matches. They're just copy and paste of each other it's hard to disagree and there's so many so many dick togo shenanigans in there it feels like they're covering for something um it doesn't get you excited i'll tell you that i'm not excited to see naito versus evil four at this point at uh, power struggle not necessarily looking forward to it but who knows we could be surprised we could be surprised um Anakin JMT left us a super chat again. Thank you very much, Anakin. He says, if they're not coming out to the Imperial March, what's the point of calling themselves the Empire? I don't know. <laughs> I'd love, I look, I'd love them. I, I maybe, maybe once it translates into a look, maybe once, uh, like you, like you say, once, um, Will Ospreay completely converts into, uh, into the Emperor, <laughs> maybe then. It'll it'll start making sense for us, uh, but uh, yeah. Say hello, everyone, to everything pro wrestling who just jumped in the chat. Thank you for being here. And for for as far as 2020 goes, the G1 Climax 30 is officially done, and so is the weekly G1 recap. time now for the weekly wrestling inspection let's get this one going I'm gonna start straight off the bat with a with a uh super chat from jk schwal thank you very much jk schwal he asked the question that follows will you be heartbroken if smackdown follows raw and changes themes tomorrow night potentially the air the era of are you ready for a good time is ended ah I don't know. I I like the meme part of it. I think I would be heartbroken. I think it, I think it'd bug me if if SmackDown changes themes. Uh, but they did have they had the their season premiere last week, right? And they still had the same theme. 
I mean, they could change at any time. It's WWE. It doesn't matter. But because I like the meme of it, so I'd kind of miss it. My God, Raw's new look. Raw's new theme has the particular quality of not being catchy at all. Like it's not something that you're going to <laughs> that you're going to hum distractedly. You know, it's you know you're not going to be like washing the dishes and then all of a sudden you're going. Before you realize what's happening, and then you you fall into a a deep dark recess in your in your heart. That's that's very very vile and and somber. And you're like, what is happening to me? How am I being corrupted like this? <laughs> At least that theme won't happen. It won't. You won't be humming it distractedly because it's it it's not catchy at all at all at all at all at all. So let's start by <laughs> Cool Beans. Uh, the New Day's Goodbye promo was really good. And I mean, you see those three guys in the ring. And when it comes to WWE, WWE doesn't like to show authenticity. It likes its scripts. It likes its little stories. It likes everything to be really, really planned out perfectly and they don't usually let their wrestlers speak from the heart, really. But when they do, it makes it special. And this is this was extremely special. And it's what the definition of a brotherhood is, right? There's these are these are three guys who've been together for years as a unit, who support and uplift each other, uh, who've negotiated their contracts together, who've looked out for each other, and in a world in the wrestling world where brotherhoods friendships are tenuous only one chair shot away from being eliminated from being destroyed this one stood the test and remained fresh and it remained creative remember how many of y'all were ready to send the the new day up to pasture after that old day segment you remember that you, yes, of course you do. It's one of the worst things that was ever on WWE television. But look at what the what th- three creative guys are able to do. They're bounce back from it, able to rise above and become uh, a a beloved act like this. So it was good that they gave them time because it is a big deal. It's a at least I'm glad. You got you watched the show last week. You know how I feel about Big E being uh being uh, sent over uh to SmackDown all by himself. At least WWE recognizes that splitting up the New Day is a big deal. It really is. And they had a fun match with Sheamus uh Nakamura and Cesaro as well. They had a, a great send-off. A couple of messy spots, but it was a it was a fun match. Exactly what you expect from the new day. It was very it was very emotional. I might have gotten a little misty-eyed, but I swear to God, folks, I promise you this. I promise you this. I am maybe not promise because I'm I'm I don't work for WWE spoiler. I am willing to bet 10 Canadian fun bucks that they are splitting them up. And that they are going to make Big E serious. They're going to change the music. No more colorful trunks. No more nonsense. 
because they want Big E to be a credible champion. And never mind all the stuff that got Big E over in the first place. It's again, it ain't it ain't broke. So we got to fix it, right? And then they're going to tell us we don't listen to fans. on Oh, fans online, they don't know what they want. And you've got this vocal minority of people saying, you know, oh, Big E singles push. We need him to be a serious champion. Kofi wasn't a serious champion. We couldn't take him seriously. Fuck off. We love Kofi. Kofi was a great champion. He was well booked and he wasn't twisted around to become something that he wasn't. Anyway, I talked about this last last week. I'm not getting, I'm not getting back into that again this week. Um, Anakin JMT left a very generous super chat. Thank you very much, Anakin. I appreciate that. Again, uh, says a programming reminder for Americans. SmackDown is on FS1, not Fox tomorrow. Don't tune to Fox unless you want to watch baseball, although the baseball will probably be better. Yeah, but there's no Roman Reigns on baseball. That's one thing WWE has that day. But yes, absolutely. Uh, FS1, if you want to watch your, your SmackDown tomorrow evening um let's keep the cool beans running well actually before we get into the cool beans here or yeah i'm gonna read a super chat from wrestleplug thank you very much wrestleplug inc wpi thank you very much for the super chat says we had a contract signing how would you rate it how would i rate the contract signing cool beans i am marked it yes folks in the history of the Mr. Warren Hayes show, it's happened tonight, October 22nd of our year 2020, the year of our Lord, who has given us this flat green earth upon which we live on. Warren Hayes has given cool beans to a contract signing because Bailey did the the the, the thing, did the most basic probable thing that that a heel should do when confronted with a contract signing one of these situations where they're like no i don't want to be here i don't want to this she did the right thing and she didn't sign the contract i've how long have i been saying have i been calling for just that just give us something fresh, something that breaks out of the mold that we're always in with these contract signings. Why would the heel systematically always want to sign the contract? Why does he want things on his terms or her terms? God damn, Bailey. PWI 100 women, top 100 women's number one spot for a reason. She's making it live and and thrive making us believe in contract signings again it didn't take much you didn't need spectacle you didn't need fireworks you didn't need uh convoluted attacks just needed something to make sense bailey's like nah sasha i'm not giving you the i'm not giving you the satisfaction and she leaves now if it were me over the next couple of weeks if they had done this before or given it more time instead of you stretch this shit out and Bailey Sasha's like, no, I don't want to sign this. Con- you got to sign this contract. Bailey's like, no. And then Bailey can come with her own contract. And then they look, there's so much stuff that they could do. But this is a step in the right direction, folks. 
This is a step in the right direction. It wasn't perfect, but it, it got me excited enough for the future of contract signings, for sure. Uh, let's get some hot trash going next. Uh, what if we talked about... <laughs> okay, so AJ Styles has the heater now. Uh, he, he's got... Uh, Jonathan Omogbian, right? I think I'm pronouncing that right. Omogbian, I think. Omogbian, I think that's how it's pronounced. And when you look at them both, like this is Shawn Michaels' diesel version 2020, right? This is exactly what it is. Because Amogbian is so big. He's so tall. Next to AJ It's exactly the same look. The same feel that we're going for. And, he, and AJ wrestles a match with Matt Riddle. Now listen. I'm going to tell you. This is uh, this is how we're going here. The um, this, is where this is the thing here. I don't have a problem with uh, Matt Riddle uh, jobbing out. I don't have a problem with them losing matches these days. I'm, I'm completely okay with it. But the one thing that does strike me as very, very odd here is Matt Riddle, former MMA fighter, a legitimate combat fighter, a guy who really isn't afraid much of anything, and he's fought in all types of situations. He gets afraid when a dude balls up his fist. He fears and runs away. Again, I'm okay with the uh, I'm okay with this to a certain degree. Because I don't think Matt Riddle would run away from a guy just going. It doesn't work for me. But then again, WWE doesn't have any variety in how it books its big men. Big men are big, they're strong, and they scare everyone and they toss everyone around. That's how they're gonna put. That's how they're gonna book uh, Omogbian, and that's how they've been. That's how they're gonna book Lars Sullivan. It's how they book Braun Strowman. That's how it goes. That's how they book their big men, and it's never more creative than that. Look at it. that's how they book their big women. That's look at how they book Nia Jax. It's the exact same same thing. So, bleh. I. I to me, it's all indications of it, it, it. It's all indications of very, very poor creative at work again. You know, like I said, I understand. I I think it's pretty transparent what WWE is doing to Matt Riddle these days. Uh, they're basically telling him, you know, you're too much trouble for what you're worth. So we're gonna put you through the ringer a little bit here. Uh, I get it, but it still doesn't make sense for for uh for matt riddle to run away from a fight Ooh, especially yeah. when he's getting vignettes and being pushed as something special right there's that dichotomy there anyway so uh yeah i i don't see anything really exciting happening here um anakin jmt left us a super chat again thank you very much he says i appreciate styles having a diesel like bodyguard but he almost made lesnar tap a few years ago does he really need protection well if you look back at aj styles's career He's always had people watching his back. He was a leader bullet club. He was in uh, uh, that TNA stable. Um, um, and it's not the uh, main event mafia. It was the one where with Ric Flair. Shoot. I can't remember what it was. But he, he was in a stable there. He had the OC at the uh, backing him up recently. 
to me, a heel AJ Styles has dudes watching his back. That's that's how it works. Um, so it's it's not much not much of a surprise for me here, at least in his heel persona. Uh, let's uh, let's keep up the hot trash going here. I have a question to ask you, Fortune. Thank you very much, DGMC. That was the name of the stable. Let's uh, let's uh, let me ask you guys a question. Let me ask you guys a question. Why would you break up the Iconics if you're going to put Peyton Royce right back into a tag team? I uh, I really want to know. Why would you break up the Iconics and have Peyton Royce within not even with not even a full month has elapsed or has a, a month later? Excuse me, that's right, a month later. Have her teaming with Lacey Evans. I don't understand it. I really don't understand it. And it, this is, again, it, look, it could be, and I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. It could be that they're just, it was a one night thing because they wanted to have a women's tag match. It could be just like something spontaneous, just a one night affair. It could be, but the way they were acting, creating like creating a, a dynamic between themselves Peyton and Lacey it feels like they're going in for the long term and on top of that here's the other thing you're Peyton Royce split her from a tag team to put her into another tag team with another wrestler where they don't get along you mean the the actual gimmick that currently the tag team champions have so we'll have two pairs of women who don't get along whereas Peyton Royce was wrestling with her best friend and they got along. They even got along after they split up. What the actual fuck is happening? It doesn't make sense. This is the stuff that WWE doesn't think we pay attention to or they're like, it's just wrestling, but we do. We do. And it weighs heavy on us when this kind of shit happens because we we want we because we're supposed to be invested in it. We're supposed to get behind Peyton Royce and uh, getting a singles push or whatever. What's the reason behind the separation? There isn't any. It's just stuff that happens, and it's very very frustrating for those of us who do want to watch and and enjoy it. Want to want to keep talking some more hot trash, folks? Ah. Let's do it. Let's keep talking some more hot trash. Such so much hot trash. May have to take a sip of water. Hmm. So I don't know if you noticed, but Retribution lost their first six-man tag match uh, with Ali as their leader, and not or eight-man, I should say. Not only did they lose it, but they all got taken out by one dude. So they lost to the herd business. The fiend took all of them out. I tweeted out, they've been nexused. And tell me I'm wrong. Tell me, tell me I'm wrong at this point. Because they all they've done, they being retribution, essentially, outside of I think this was their second match. Outside of the matches was just attack people, throw shit through windows, flip a car, 
nothing really exciting. There's supposed to be this, this force. Oh, the group that calls themselves Retribution. They're here to take over WWE, but they get smushed in one night. And here's where the story doesn't make sense. This is where it loses all, all of its, uh, of its teeth. They lose the match. They get punked out by The Fiend. And then we go backstage where Mustafa Ali, this brilliant leader that they have, tells us that he was the hacker. Okay, they're tying that back in. Fine, sure. And 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 that WWE it has to fear them. They, they know all the secrets. They're, they're in for it. WWE is, is going to be taken down from the inside because he has all their secrets. He says, we're, we're strong. We're coming for you. But you know, here's the thing. This is what happens. They do this, this promo after they, they miserably lost, got taken out. Ali is supposed to come on TV and then convince us that they're still a threat. I don't believe you. I don't believe you, Mustafa. Love you to death, but I don't believe you. I don't, I, I, you guys have not done anything to remotely prove to me that you are a threat. You've chased superstars out of the building. Oh, goodness. You cut some, uh, the, the top rope with a chainsaw. But you haven't done anything wrestling related. You haven't done anything to show that you can, that you will actually take down WWE. What if you had ruined someone's chance to winning the title at a pay-per-view what if you had what if what if retribution had actually come in like all 60 of them whatever their numbers are and just occupy the thunderdome and no matches or they decide what the matches are and they take over everything production and show them as a bigger a large threat to the entire wwe because right now they're not Right now, they're just a, they're not even a threat to the Hurt Business because the Hurt Business just settled them. They're not a threat to one guy in the company. There's one guy in the company that took them all out. How are we supposed to take retribution seriously in any way, shape, or form? Again, going back to my, to my theories, to my, to, to my, my explanations as to how this group came to be, first and foremost, in WWE, these are the Antifa folks. These are the protesters, the malcontents who are never happy and want to tear down institutions that are heels first and foremost. So of course they're going to get squashed out straight off because the WWE loyal, you know, who stands strong with the WWE, they're going to win. But you, even in that type of scenario, you have to make the threat feel like a threat. And right now, retribution feels like an afterthought. There's nothing, nothing... Nothing that resonates that makes them feel like credible threats. When they came out with their masks, we laughed, but we were like, maybe they'll do something with them. So they give them this big match, and they lose the match, and the fiend takes them all out. I don't understand. That's there's someone, and we know who it is, who has lost complete connection with how to tell stories, how to relate to an audience, how to make things happen, how to make your talent feel invested in what they're doing. Vince doesn't get it anymore. He just doesn't. And this is the kind of shit that we get. We get visuals, we get moments, but we don't get anything compelling. We don't get things that we can sink our teeth into. If Retribution had taken out 
the Hurt Business and had like viciously take them out. That would have been a good start. Keep them away from the feet. Why would you do that? Why would you nexus them right out the gate? You've been building them for months. It's so stupid. Anakin JMT left us a super chat. Thank you very much. Anakin says, Breaking Gary Cassidy reports Serpentico has signed with AEW. Good. I'm glad to see that David Arquette's getting work. <laughs> Thank you. I love that meme so much. <laughs> He's not David Arquette, by the way. It's a joke. It's a joke. Uh, anyway, I'm done talking about WWE. Man, I, I'm excited. I'm excited to start talking about WWE again in very, very positive tones. And I'm excited to talk about the matches on WWE instead of just like talking about the storylines and the stuff that's not working and, and, and not focusing on the matches And because that's why we watch wrestling. And I'm excited to come back to that. But Jesus, they're making it so hard these days. Let's go with some... Let's go back to some cool beans here. Um... Because we're going to talk about Dynamite. <laughs> Listen, hey, you know what was cool, Beans? The first fucking hour of AEW Dynamite last night. I'm going to tell you. Cyclops is better than Wolverine. How are you? Welcome to the chat. It was as close. Last night's first hour of Dynamite was as close to a perfect hour of wrestling, of a wrestling show that I can remember wasn't perfect, was close to it, Jesus, it was good, it was good, started off with Wardlow versus Jungle Boy, we had the Kingston promo, the Mox promo, we had the Omega squash, we had Penta versus Phoenix, you had something for everyone in this match, and this is what you did, you established, you, you had a good big guy versus small guy match and a big athletic guy and oh i don't know if you if you've heard but big athletic guys sell tickets i don't know if you heard about that folks it's <laughs> like oh, we get it jr he said it like twice during the match it's like okay he's he's talking to someone backstage right now he's talking to he's he's sending a message out there we get it jr you don't like the flippy shit you like the big athletic men because they sell tickets anyway um, the, so Wardlow versus Jungle Boy, your classic match, but a classic, uh, size differential, two really good wrestlers. Wardlow is so, is, is always a pleasure to see when he wrestles. That was really good. That gave you something straight off the back, like that you could latch on to the, the smaller underdog versus the big hulking guy. It was good. Uh, the, the promos, Eddie Kingston, John Moxley, just reminding us what fucking good promos can do to build hype for a match. Are you guys excited for Kingston versus Mox at All Out? Because God, uh, not at All Out, at uh, Full Gear, because goddamn, that promo that Kingston cut last night and Mox's rebuttal were fantastic. And that's how you do it. This is exactly what Eddie Kingston did a couple of weeks ago when he had to sub into John Moxley's main event because Lance Archer was sick uh, or not sick, but had been in contact with COVID and he was um, and he was in quarantine. In the opening segment, 
In the first quarter hour, he grabs the microphone and he sells us on the main event with a three-minute promo. And look at what they did together. They made this credible for me. They made me excited for this match. They made it personal, but without being, you used to be my brother. Just by being pro wrestlers, by living out of their passion, God damn, if this was not fantastic on both counts. So good. Omega, Omega squashing uh, Sunny Kiss. Again, this is old school, the old school way of doing wrestling. Who are your stars? Kenny Omega is your star. He's supposed to come in and destroy fools. Then you know who you're supposed to cheer for. Then you know who you're supposed to to swing your your um who you're supposed to swing your favor behind. You're supposed to be like, oh, I got to take notice of this guy. He's coming in destroying fools. That's exactly what they had what they had planned. Was probably supposed to be Joey Janela. It doesn't matter at at this stage. A good old fashioned obliteration, not even a squash, a disintegration, a reduction into a pile of mud is what happened. I love that. That's that's it. It's a good palate cleanser. You're like, Jesus, okay, I get it. I get it, and it makes sense. Then Penta versus Phoenix was your was your spot fest with two super athletic guys jumping around and in a fantastic match on top of that. Fantastic, fantastic match, which I'm gonna talk about. Everything about the first hour of Dynamite was the complete opposite. Of what they do on WWE. When they talked. It mattered. It mattered for real. When they wrestled. It was good. And it told solid. Bold stories. There was no half-assing it. In the squash match last night. V-Trigger. Winning Wangel. Good night. It's bold man. It's crazy that we consider that bold these days. When that's how. That's how you used to build stars. You want to reestablish Kenny Omega as a strong singles champion. You have to have uh, con- champion or contender, whatever. You have to have him come in, smash the fuck out of people. That was amazing. I loved the first hour of Dynamite last night. Absolutely loved it. So let's talk about Phoenix versus Penta. L zero M. Guess we're done with the Pentagon Junior stuff. I know it's been a while, but look, unquestionably the match of the night, unquestionably the match of the week. Um, we knew it, it'd be special. It was great stuff. They wrestled Penta's pace, um, which is fine. Uh, this isn't a knock. It allows for much more counter wrestling out of both guys. Then it was really, really good. Uh, man, when they were lighting themselves up with chops at first, oh, it was great. It was so good. But your boy Phoenix, Ray Phoenix, stole the show. Corkscrew, corkscrew dive from the top turnbuckle to the floor. Top rope Hurricane Rana rocked him a little, right? I think he, I think he, I think he rung his bell a little bit on that one because Penta followed up with like a roll through DDT and it didn't quite work because um, Phoenix was a little dead weight on that one. Uh, but he he got back into he got back into it springboard top rope spanish fly and that tornado destroyer i don't know how else to call it it wasn't just a destroyer he was countering out of something and fantastic stuff so this leads into next week which is 
Kenny Omega versus Ray Phoenix. <laughs> and Hangman Adam Page, who defeated Colt Cabana in a fine match. That was all right. Hangman Adam Page versus Wardlow. I mean, we're, we've got ourselves some, some, great, uh, some great semifinals right there, straight off the bat. Um, but so, but since we're on the topic of the tournament here, I'm going to pull out some warm soda here on our, uh, on AEW. Cause I want to talk just a little bit about the rankings and, and losing opportunities. Look, whichever way I, I was thinking about it yesterday and I was a lot, I was a little more, I was a lot more steamed when, Thinking about Sunny Kiss, and no, no, this is no disrespect to Sunny Kiss, who I think is a is a fun performer, a cool person. Uh, <clears throat> I think it's I think it's fantastic uh, what he does. He, I, I respect utmost respect for Sunny Kiss. Um, but I sort of got bothered when when Joni Joey Janela had to stay away because he got the COVID lective, is how I like to call it now. Uh, or he didn't get it, but he's in quarantine now, and they replaced him with Sunny Kiss. It bothered me because I'm like, look, AEW has a ranking system. Why didn't they pick in the ranks? Because you know Sunny Kiss is not is not ranked, and I've I've changed. You know, people's minds can change, folks. Opinions can 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 move around, and my opinion swayed a little bit because I understand that rankings can be a little more wibbly wobbly. It's not necessarily about what your position is. There's quality of wins. There, and, and I get it. And Mox at the same time, you know, he defeated four people out of the top five um, right now. So it, yeah, I get it that they didn't make that. That's why we're getting Kingston versus Mox. You know, if we were stuck to the rankings, we wouldn't be getting that match. And I wouldn't be excited about it. Um, and you had to pad out the tournament at the same time. You can't just put the same people in there because then we'd be saying, oh, it's always the same people. Like, I understand. Okay, so I, I get it. I, I my, my, my position on, on using the rankings to determine who should go where in a tournament and who should be next, uh, it's okay. And I just want, yeah, it, it'd be nice, you know, if, uh, it, it'd be nice if it was a little more explained, but it look. My, the point that I want to make here, however, is if you're putting Sunny Kiss in as a replacement, I have to wonder why someone with a such a profound losing record has this opportunity to be in the tournament. Like, Sunny Kiss has, hasn't won many matches as a singles competitor in AEW, and he's put in a tournament in a position where he could challenge for the title, I think it should go to someone else. Would it have been like number five, Scorpio Sky? Maybe not, because I think you do want to, like you don't want to kick Scorpio Sky necessarily out of the tournament. If You don't want him to get squashed by Kenny Omega. I, I, I don't think that it would have done him any good. But, you know, there's there's other guys you could have put there to take the squash. Uh, it's it's a little strange to me. It's 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 just a little weird. And I and and when I think about it, I'm I'm not sure that having Sunny Kiss take the squash is really all that good for Sunny Kiss, who is a who has a contentious reputation online. There's a a, a, a swath of fans who are heavily against him and who nitpick everything they do. 
everything he uh, he does or she does uh, both pronouns work uh, for for Sunny Kiss. He's been vocal about that. Um, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. And uh, so the whatever whatever they want to do with Kiss, that's fine. But I don't think that squashing that being squashed is beneficial to Sunny Kiss. I think it could have it could have been. Let's say we had reversed the roles and put Jungle Boy in there. Let's just say. I think Jungle Boy would have bounced back much more easily from that than Kiss has or will. Maybe AEW can use this as a story moving forward for Sunny Kiss. And that would be a very redeeming quality. And I think it would make the squash sensible. It would have given it a reason. But if it just hangs like that, I think ultimately it makes them look worse coming out than going in. And I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. Uh, that being said, I understand why they did it because ultimately it serves to propel your superstar and make sure that we understand that Kenny Omega is not fucking around. And I'm cool. I understand the story behind it. It's just I, I don't know how beneficial it is for for kiss that's all uh we're going to talk about music now and we're going to talk about it as cubines now look i preface right off the bat if if you i i mean this segment has split the fan base down the middle hasn't it now if you liked it that's fine. If you didn't like it, that's fine. Me, I liked it a lot. I thought it was refreshing. Uh, seeing MJF and Chris Jericho do a rendition, a, a wrestling, a wrestling uh, um, adjusted version of Frank Sinatra and Sammy Davis Jr. doing My Shadow and Me. Um, you're... Uh, uh, it was silly, fun, charming, and overall inoffensive. You know, it what it was, it was a Stewie and Brian situation from Family Guy. That's what it was. I'll tell you one thing, okay? I'll tell you one thing. It works, it works in storyline. And I think this is the one thing that hasn't been pointed out enough. But in the storyline that Jericho... And uh, the, the, in the storyline that Jericho and MJF are doing, it works and it advances their story. It was Stewie, like I said, Stewie and Brian from, from Family Guy. That's it, but they're both self-righteous and corny and very full of themselves. And this whole situation, this whole act that they put together show that they're very, very much alike. They're really on the same page. Um, cut from the same cloth, if you will. And that's why I feel it was very, very successful. Because not only did it provide this... Uh, uh, not, not only did it provide this weird... Uh, this weird moment a bit out of nowhere, but it helped give a a bit more story to their own relationship now if we were if we're to move over to another wrestling moment that happened this week on raw 
the Elias one, which I thought was fine. You know, I I think I I think ultimately that the Jericho thing, the Jericho MJF thing, was more successful. Not because the 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 Elias thing was bad. I think the lip syncing was off, but Jericho was off a little bit on his own lip syncing as well. I don't want to get too nitpicky on that, but the the difference here and 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 uh, MJF's excuse me Elias's song, which is really really good, it was um, the, the the it was really really good. The song the song works. It's well done. It's well executed. It's it's hell. It's catchier than the raw theme. I'll tell you that much. Um, there's um, it, it was it's well produced. The difference here is that WWE wanted to create a moment, and we know this. WWE is more interested in putting on moments than wrestling matches or stories. They want to create snippets that can be sent to other media or put into social media and they can stand alone and live on their own. And that's what they wanted to do here. They wanted the spectacle of the full band, the fireworks, even though they were all unplugged. That's what they wanted, right? So they wanted to show off as they do often that their superstars can do it all. AEW, they saw it as a storyline opportunity, a bit of an aside, a bit of just a little absurdity throughout it all. And Pro wrestling is inherently absurd, folks. That's the thing. That in its very, very core, we're watching, we're watching simulated combat and people really getting angry about simulated combat. So in and about itself, that it, this this world that pro wrestling lives in is uh is weird. It's just weird. So yeah. That's why I think that's and like I said. I, it's not that I didn't think that Elias's performance was bad. I enjoyed it. I may I just like the the Jericho stuff more, Jericho MJF stuff more because it ties into a story, a direct direct story. It's just as simple as that. But hey, whatever you decided to like, that's absolutely fine with me. Absolutely fine with me. We're going to finish off with uh, with a bit of hot trash, though, unfortunately. And we got to talk about Alex Reynolds getting knocked out in the ring. Um, Private Party uh, did a double team move on him and uh, while he was on his back. And uh, our boy, uh, our, our boy, Isaiah Cassidy sort of landed a little too, uh, sort of landed a little too harshly on um, on. Um, he sort of landed a little too harshly, a little too close to. Uh, well, actually landed on Reynolds' head is what I'm trying to say here. Thank you very much. And and he knocked him out cold. Nobody checked on Alex Reynolds. And, you know, one of the jobs that a referee in the ring has is to ensure the safety of the talent. He has to ensure that they're able to compete and that they're staying, they're staying on top of things. Uh, sometimes from outside sources like accidental injury, sometimes, you know, they got to watch... The, they have to protect the wrestlers from themselves as well. But listen, they have to announce that when something's wrong, they have to, that that's why there's the X that exists in wrestling. And they also, they, they're also equipped with, uh, uh, with microphones and in ears so that they can talk to production. The ref is the front line. He's not the person who's going to treat. He's not the person who's going to make a final call or whatever, but he is going to, or she 
is going to be the person who's going to determine whether there's a problem or not in the match and do something about it. Hell, while he was landing there, the Bucks bumped off his head. Off his body, I should say. Not off his head, but off his body. Um, Pepper Parks, the blade, had to drag Reynolds to the corner because no one was doing anything. Reynolds, it, it wasn't just to tag in and maintain kayfabe, right? Uh, we have to drag him. They had to drag him uh, from the middle of the ring to the corner because he was in the middle of the ring while there were eight other people around him, and uh, maybe not eight, but six other people wrestling. Uh, so someone had to do something. So he managed to, to get, him out, get him out of the ring. Rick Knox, who was the referee, look, he didn't check on him at all. At all. He fucked up. It happens. It's a hell of a fuck up. Don't get me wrong. It's not like counting a... Uh, counting a fast three count when it was counting a three count when that wasn't the finish. Uh, but you know, no one is perfect, but no one checked up on him at all. Doc Samson is outside on the ring. Uh, I didn't see anything happening there, nor did anyone backstage. He has, you know, there's an in ear. As I mentioned, the communication goes both ways with in when, when they're in gorilla position, whatever AEW calls it. I don't remember. It's not exactly gorilla position, but, um, I like this is something that I recall here that that I definitely remember um uh, that there's that that there's communication between both no one watching the match backstage went hey can you, uh, Knox check on Reynolds cuz he doesn't look okay I mean it's it's he he messed up rest Rick Knox dropped the ball hard here now I'm not saying this as a systematic problem uh, as a systematic problem in AEW for refs to be doing this, right? To ignore hurt, they don't ignore the hurt wrestlers. Hell, uh, Aubrey Edwards, as I mentioned earlier during the the, the Phoenix Penta match, uh, she was all over Phoenix when he was uh, when he was uh, when he had his bell rung. She was checking on him, you know. So and and that actually just juxtaposed to what happened with Rick Knox makes it doubly not a good look you know what i mean um the it, it, and it's double bad when you consider the matt hardy stuff at all out where aubrey throw threw up the x but somehow they had this instant concussion validation check that they were able to send matt hardy back out to wrestle without a problem i mean and and that being said i don't give a shit and, and, and I, I still maintain this. Matt Hardy should not have returned to take any bumps, climb anything. They, they should have sat him down. I am 100% okay with making fantasy stipulations disappear from my, from my simulated combat show. I am 100% okay with that if it ensures the safety of wrestlers. Perfectly okay with that. As a fan, I want AEW to be transparent on its protocols when it comes to wrestler his, uh, safety, because there have been hiccups, recent ones, and I want to know what's up, because I care about the talent, I care about the wrestlers, I hear a lot of, uh, um, oh well, then the only solution is to ban multi-man matches, no it's not, it's not a moment to say, no more multi-man matches, a, if a responsible company will then look at the problem that happened, the issue that occurred, and we'll sit all appropriate parties around a table and we'll come up with a solution. 
a new process, a new protocol, a new directives to follow if we're doing multi-man matches like this to ensure that if another talent does get hurt and the action is fast and furious, which I understand probably added to the confusion of the situation. Don't get me wrong, I'm not stupid. But they have to identify what the fallacies are here to protect the talent. It's just that simple. If there was a problem here, uh, if there was a problem here, there's something that has to occur. There's something, there's something good that has to come out of this. And revising, there's nothing wrong with revising your policies and trying to do better. You really don't. <sighs> there you have it, folks. Twas the weekly wrestling inspection. Oh, let's get rid of this hot trash thing. Although I could have kept it up just very quickly uh, because I, I do want to talk about Andrew Yang on, on Jericho's uh, podcast, but very, very quickly. Um, uh, earlier today, Joey, Joey Ryan's been on social media again, and he posted an Instagram uh, talking about how a uh, um, hundred days ago, uh, Drake Wirtz from NXT, uh, WWE referee, reached out and introduced him to a, um, a Bible verse uh, application that basically pulls inspirational verses from the Bible as a daily motivator kind of thing. He said, I've leaned on it every day since... Um, and it's not the only time he's helped me either. So, okay, cool. Um, I, I make no bones about it. I think Joey Ryan's a piece of shit and, uh, I'm excited to see if his, uh, if his lawsuit is going to move forward, so on and so forth. But I don't necessarily want to talk about Joey Ryan or the fact that he's leaning on his matches with Candice LeRae, who completely disavowed him to try and get more attention for himself and be like, Hey, check out these matches I used to have with Candice LeRae fuck off, right? I mean, just keep Candace out of this. Keep us all out of this, actually, um, Joey. But what I just want to mention here, uh, passing here, now, regardless of how you feel about Joey Ryan, uh, he hasn't been taken to court. There hasn't been, he hasn't been convicted of anything, but there are a lot of accounts, detailed accounts, and he's fessed up to some stuff as well. Do not forget. Um, if you consider how abusive he's been to women, uh, exploitive he's been as well, and you've got Drake Wirtz from WWE, who is senior official for NXT, but also involved in talent relations at the same time. If you, if you are David, if you are Drake Wirtz and you're reaching out to Joey Ryan, what mess and and you're and you're maintaining a relationship. What what does that send as a message to your women's roster? Who, by the way, includes Candice LeRae, who was on the record saying that she never knew about anything about it and how betrayed she feels by Ryan. It's a very, very, very strange message that is being sent to the NXT women's division by having Drake Wirtz, Reach out to Joey Ryan to help him out. I think everyone has has time to heal. I think everyone needs time to heal, and I don't think I don't think three 
four months does it. I don't think I don't think it's a proper I, I don't think it's a good amount of time that's elapsed yet. And it's very, very strange. And Jake Wirtz is legitimately becoming a black eye in NXT. It is an absolute mess. Jo- um, Andrew Yang, former United States presidential hopeful for the Democratic Party, who lost the nomination to Joe Biden, was on Talk is Jericho this week. Um, Andrew Yang uh, got a lot of attention from the uh, the world of professional wrestling when uh, he started to speak out against uh, WWE's contracts with uh, with talent, calling out, uh, questioning the independent contract status that um, that they have, and uh, as opposed to the type of contract that they uh, that they're signing, and uh, among other things. Um, Yang uh, Yang was on talk as Jericho today, and it was really interesting because you know Jericho Jericho's politics are you know he uh, I I think you know he's he's been an all lives matter kind of guy, right? Um, so there's stuff about him that you're like, okay, this is kind of strange that he's having Andrew Yang on, and Andrew Yang is there talking about universal income and how it makes sense. Uh, especially when we're in the context of, um, you know, of COVID where people are losing their jobs and uh, businesses are closing. And Jericho's like, yeah, yeah, this makes sense. I'm like, okay, this is, this is wild, man. I don't, I don't know. I don't know exactly what's going on here, but they did talk about the WWE contract stuff. Uh, And uh, the um, straight out, straight out the gate, Yang said, you know, that the, uh, he, you know, he pulled out some points that a lot of us have been, talking about for a while says that you know the contracts as they exist right now have made and or saved wwe tens of thousands of dollars uh per contract and these are directly out of the pockets of the performers who are basically not getting the representation or the money that they that they deserve uh uh, he calls wwe a quasi-monopoly um you know saying that you know that he doesn't blame any wrestler for signing those contracts because if you do what you love and you want to wrestle in the big leagues kind of thing um uh you wrestle in the big leagues you want to uh you want to sign the contract of your dream job right you want to get in um even if the even if the contract is a little one-sided right she says the power dynamic is uneven you just can't go to vince and say this contract is fucked up because uh, Yang seems to understand the nature of the business. You're going to get blackballed if you start doing that kind of stuff. And then he makes he makes some very sensible, very sensible points as well. Well, not that those weren't sensible, but he makes a very, very sensible point here. He says, WWE is worth $3.3 billion. Vince McMahon is a billionaire. He says, this is past the point of making cost-based arguments in regards to uh, in regards to, oh, we need to scrimp on the contracts for this and this. He says the McMahon's, and this is, he quoted this. I'm quoting him here. He says the McMahon's are hoarding wealth at this point. Can't say I disagree. Um, he uh, basically says that the WWE could afford to treat their talent more fairly and legally, but they don't. And if they elected, uh, and if um, the Democrats were elected, because um, Andrew Yang would be on um, is on a, uh, a job board within uh, within 
uh, Joe Biden's current cabinet. He'd have a position on that uh, in that regard. Uh, he says if they are elected, uh, he all he'd have to do would call is call the National Relations Board and bring suit to WWE because they're misclassifying their employees. He says that he'd need uh, a brave performer to join up because normally it would be an employee who would initiate uh, these talks. It's not necessarily the government who does that. It'd have to be someone to speak out, someone who works within the company who would have to come forward and speak out about it. So that's going to be, that's obviously a, a big sticking point right there. Uh, Jericho talks about the fact that, you know, he doesn't get residuals from his matches that are broadcast uh, on the WWE Network. And um, um, uh, Yang agrees with them. He says, you know, uh, uh, the uh, Screen Actors Guild, for instance, their protections are significant. And a lot of WWE performers would qualify for SAG because they're on television, they learn lines, uh, they perform uh, choreographies and whatnot, uh, stunts. There would be uh, there would be a lot of um, there would be a lot of uh, there would be a lot of stuff there uh, that we need to uh, that we need to unpack. So Ooh, I'm yeah. thinking about all of this, and it was an interesting talk. Was I would have I would have liked them to go a little deeper. But uh, it was interesting, nonetheless, to to hear uh, to hear Yang actually talk to uh, to a wrestling based audience via Jericho's podcast. And to me, look, there's no downside for talent to unionize. There really isn't. A few months ago, I don't know if you know, maybe some of you longtime listeners remember, but I had Dan and Emily Reed of Eve Pro Wrestling on the show. I interviewed them. Talking about um, uh, talking about their deal with uh, with Equity, uh, which is a, uh, a a a performers union in the UK, which covers uh, which covers performers who wrestle for Eve. Um, so essentially, it gives you benefits like a pension plan. It gives you benefits like medical insurance, health insurance, um, uh, and also makes you a member of this union which is recognized within the larger entertainment industry such as the screen actors guild if these performers were to become a member of sag or actfa i think it's it's called the other one if if wwe wrestlers or wrestlers in general were allowed to do that it would allow them to branch out much easier into other areas of the performing arts because their the skills and the talents that they develop outside of just pro wrestling would be certified. They they'd learn by being in the union tailored for performance art, things like uh reciting like learning lines, choreography, uh public speaking, working in a uh, on a live event, working in front of cameras, all that stuff. That all these skills would be would uh, would have some sort of certification within SAG, which would then allow them to reach out and find other work once their bodies give up. Because you guys know and I know, wrestlers they have longer shelf lives than just ten years ago, twenty years ago. But wrestlers don't necessarily go on forever, and some have careers that end a little prematurely, 
and the skills that they develop within wrestling should be recognized outside of wrestling. And the, the best way to do that is to legitimize what they do and make them part of a performance union. And as wild as it sounds, there are people who will argue that it's not a good idea, that WWE couldn't afford it, so on and so forth. Here's the thing. I, I believe, well, actually, we all know that if WWE is a $3.3 billion company, and if the McMahons are billionaires, it was built off the backs of their talent. All the talent that, they have, that they've been using since the mid-1980s. I think they're comfortably in a position where they can ensure that their talent is much better taken care of than they are right now. Outside of just like, because there's a lot of people who say, well, will they get injured? All their medical is covered. So what? If they get injured and, uh, and the injury requires surgery, but they don't come back, what happens next? What happens next if they can't wrestle anymore? And that's what WWE doesn't cover, doesn't provide for. I am very, very much pro-talent. Companies will rise and fall, but there will always be talent, and it is the talent we have to look out for. I can't, it doesn't wrap around my brain at all to imagine anyone who would not want to see their favorite performers wrestle in appropriate circumstances where they're not being over uh, overused or um or uh, tired out or worked to the bone just so another guy can make a lot of money off their back i don't want the talent oh, yeah. to feel like they're getting gypped out of some money or some royalties that they should be getting at a higher price because they want to work for the biggest company in the world and have some job security it doesn't it doesn't jive it doesn't work for me it really doesn't i think i think i really do think that every wrestling fan should cape for wrestlers and not companies and it goes on a lot of levels of course we you know i like to make i like to poke a little fun at uh, people who stand for wwe or aw and I understand why where this tribalism stems from. I get it, but I also don't get it. The company in and about itself is nothing without its talent. And it's the talent that is the prime resource. It is the talent that entertains you. It's not the logo. It's the people who are in the ring putting on the show. And you you can you can put as much lipstick as you want on a pig if your wrestlers aren't doing it for you. If they're if your talent isn't there, um, your people are just gonna people are just gonna stop watching. They're gonna tune out. Don't cape for companies. Don't cape for corporations. Don't cape for multi-billion-dollar corporations. They're not your friends. They're not your buddies. They're not out for your best interests, and they're not out necessarily for the best interests of their talent either. They want. They want to make money and they will make as much money as they can off of the backs of the people that you watch every Monday, Wednesday, Friday night, and anytime in between. So I hope, I hope 
regardless of the outcome of the U.S. election, because we're in an election season, so there's a lot of people promising and talking about a lot of stuff. I I don't know how much stock he can put into this. But I hope that the discussions that are that have been created at this point that have that are becoming more and more mainstream through Andrew Yang regarding WWE's practices will be considered and that wrestling companies will start doing the right thing. And if it's not WWE who does the right thing, let it be someone else. I mean, WWE's contracts right now they're they're ridiculous, it's absurd. But what if AEW were to uh, were to decide to allow unionization within its ranks and nip the problem right in the bud before it becomes a problem. I'd respect that. I'd respect that. Uh, I'd respect that tons if they were to do, if they decided to go down that route. I'd respect WWE if they decided to, do, to, to go, down, go down that route again. There's a lot of wrangling and it's complicated. It's not going to be easy, but I think that as fans, the best way that we can show the talent, the wrestlers that perform for us, the best thing for us to show to them is that is support. Is that if they do go down this route and decide to unionize, it will be complicated, it'll be hard, it'll be a battle, but we will be there, we'll support them in this endeavor because it will mean better things for them. Better conditions, more money, better security, and a life after wrestling. I don't see the downside of it, folks. I really, really don't. Got a couple of super chats right here. Anakin JMT left us another super chat. Thank you very much, Anakin. Um, says Rock is part of SAG, so he and Yang should team up to try and affect change. Sure, and you know who else is part of SAG? Chris Jericho. Because he's been in movies as well. He has a SAG card. He just probably doesn't, he, he doesn't use it in the context of pro wrestling, so he doesn't get those protections. Uh, or those deals uh so yeah i mean i'm pretty sure at this point becky lynch has one too because she's been on tv uh they know how it works they've seen they've seen how green the grass is jericho on his podcast said look i was in i was i had a two-minute part in the movie mcgruber 10 years ago and he says i'm still getting royalty checks uh once in a while he says 15 bucks 20 bucks 50 bucks but I'm still I'm still getting the checks. That's how it works. Aaron Entertainment left us a super chat. Thank you very much. He says, "What about AEW letting their stars do indies?" Uh, in regards to the contracts, I guess you mean I don't have a problem with that. Like, I think I, I think it's a healthy way for AEW to approach their position. In this in this situation at the same time they also understand that they have two hours of tv programming they want to hire people they will have their top stars but they won't be able to put everyone on tv and it wouldn't be fair to lock them down into contracts uh or lock them down and not pay them because they're not appearing on tv so that's why they're leaving them go off and 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 wrestle on the independent circuit which makes absolute sense otherwise uh, otherwise, uh, they just come off as uh, as uh, raiding the indies from all their superstars. Of course, there's people that they're not going to necessarily leave, allow to go out on, on the indies. But look at what happened during the collective. Orange Cassidy, John Moxley, their champ. Hopefully, they didn't get the big Rona, if you know what I mean. You know, 
Well, there we go. So that that's uh, so the yeah unions, changing contracts. It's all good stuff. It's all good stuff. So there we go, ladies and gentlemen. We're gonna wrap this one up for tonight. Aha! Be sure to come uh, over on to Patreon, patreon.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. As soon as we're done here, we're going to be talking about the best heel in the business. Who is it? You got to come over and chat with uh, chat with us in the in the text chat or join us on Discord in the Patreon uh, in the Patreon audio um, audio chat. I'm going to be taking calls per usual. Remember this Saturday morning, 11 a.m. Get the Tables podcast will be joining me here. Uh, on uh, youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes to chat about WWE Hell in a Cell 2020. Can't wait for that. Can't wait. <laughs> we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about much more wrestling next week, folks. Thank you, everyone, for joining me this evening. Wait a second. Thank you very much, everyone, for joining me this evening. <laughs>